The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode is powered by DenMeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have William Padilla Brown on today. He is a mycologist and a citizen scientist. He's doing incredible things with fungi, mushrooms, all of it, creating and recreating these ecosystems. He is so brilliant. This is what I love about it, but he is self-taught. And we talk so much in this episode, not only, yes, about mushrooms, and we go into that and understand more, and I, it was very explicit that I am a neophyte, and so I was asking some very basic questions. But beyond that, we actually talk about race. Um, we talk about education. We talk about the need of having to expand beyond. We talk about constraints within society and what that means for all of us and how then what the parallel is with nature, what nature has been providing the whole time, what the separation is between us and it. And has that separation caused some major issues and how can we get back to it? Um, so there's a lot of topics that we discovered. I love his passion. I love his intelligence. I learned so much from speaking with him. It's very eye-opening in many, many ways. I hope you all listen. I hope you all learn. I also wanted to let you know we have some really great fall trainings happening at denmeditation.com. And you can use the code DENTOX, capital D-E-N, TALKS to get $50 off. We have Journey Around the Medicine Wheel, which is mine coming up. So please join me for that. You have, if you want to learn tarot, tarot 101. If you want to learn Akashic Records, we talk a lot about the Akashic Records here on this podcast. If you want to learn how to access them, that is a three-day training. Also breath work, so many different things. Go to the website, denmeditation.com. Check out certifications and programs. And again, you get $50 off with Dentox code. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm warning you, I'm like a total novice, beginner, learning. I'm going to be, I'm sure I'm going to ask you some questions that might make your eyes roll because they might sound super dumb. Um, but I just, I'm really intrigued and excited about what you do and want to know more. Right on. Well, um, I'm always here to answer whatever questions, you know, it's good. Um, because I'm sure your audience may have similar questions. It's good to meet different audiences and like, you know, meet people where they're at. I've had my head like in my lane for so long that like, <laughs> it's sometimes hard for me to re remember what it was like, not knowing the things that I know, you know what I mean? So, um, well, yeah. that's one of the things I wanted to ask you because it is so amazing where you've come. I mean, it's, you're literally probably one of the preeminent, I mean, I feel like you could go be a professor anywhere that you wanted to now and teach mycology, right? In some ways, um, but you're self-taught. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of the things I know I learned on my own. Um, 
I did uh, take a training with Fungi for the People back in 2015. It was like one week of mushroom cultivation training and then one week of micro-remediation theory and application um, in, in Eugene, Oregon. Um, aside from that, like I you know, read some books and then uh, made my way into a couple workshops with um, you know, authors of different books or, or people that were experts in the field. Um, and uh, yeah, just tried everything at home you know, relied on YouTube heavily, um, uh, blogs, Facebook groups, super, super helpful. Internet has always been super helpful. But it's amazing. I mean, I feel like not only are you advancing, you know, this area of fungi, right? But it's also you're advancing this idea of what education means. And I love that. Yeah, I've been trying to use my life as a model in as many ways as I can. Um, uh, to show people that there's a different way of living and there's a different re there's different realities that are possible. I feel like a lot of people don't believe in things that they can't see or they that they can't touch and things that if you just tell them something. So I've been using my life to to be an example of things that's just radically different. So I really like wanted my life to to exist as a big like middle finger to the establishment. Um, in the sense of like, <laughs> nah, you don't need to go to college. Like I like used a stimulus check and taught myself how to do molecular biology. Now I'm teaching people DNA sequencing and DNA barcoding. Like took me a couple months to figure out how to do it with the proficiency of somebody that had been doing it for four years in college. So I'm just like, I want to move in a way that's just like, I don't want to be like, yo, fuck the government, fuck, fuck college, da, 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 da. I just want my life to be Yo, just the way I live and what I just said, like, why would you go spend tens of thousands of your dollars whenever that's not the world that we're living in anymore? Because William Padilla Brown just did blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So. Did you ever feel the pressure? Like, was there a moment where you made a choice or was it just innate in you that you knew or just kind of grew? Like, I know I'm going to be fine. Or was there ever this pressure of like, do I want to go this way or that way? Or I can't go this way. What am I going to do? Like, what was it for you? Or was it just naturally you kind of found yourself over here and realized I never needed that? Um, there was pressure whenever my son was born, whenever I was younger. Mm. Uh, my son was born whenever I was 20. Um, so there was like pressure there because like I wanted the best for him. Like, like any good parent will want the best for their child. And I was hyper aware of the realities of the society that we were born into and the the politics around us and the food around us. Like back when my son was born, there wasn't even an organic section in the grocery stores around where we live. You had to drive like like a ways away or there was like one healthy grocery store, like the healthy grocer, but we called it the wealthy grocer. It doesn't even exist anymore. Right. So I don't feel bad calling it what it is. But like it was like not affordable for like for everyday consumers to be able to engage with this kind of stuff. So I had to like change my mindset from independent consumerism to, or from dependent consumerism to independent pr uh, producer. Like, like I had to become an independent producer of the things that I needed until, you know, I made it real enough that a community could build around us that we could do it, you know, co-creatively, co um, be co-creative producers. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what really galvanized it. Like having a son. Um, otherwise, like, I don't know. My story has just been my story. Like I started like making music and teaching myself how to do like, like graphic design and, and music production on a computer when I was 13. Um, I dropped out of high school when I was, when I was 16. 16. Yeah. So it was like, like 
I don't know. Like I, I, I saw myself, I knew what I wanted. I knew who I was. Like there wasn't anything getting in the way of it. It was the most valuable thing to me. Like if you even listen to like my early music when I was a teenager and like, there was a lot of like, yo, young rebels, like find yourself, like fuck everything. That's not what you, what you need to be like all this kind of stuff. Like not knowing what it was that I w- would, would become, but like allowing myself the space to see and, and exist in that. Like, I was like, no, I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to rush into something. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was telling my friends, I'll tell my peers this. And I have like a whole internet history of it for anybody that needs to tap in at wherever stage that they're at. But like, I was telling all my peers the whole time. I'm just like, no, I don't go running into this system. We already don't like it. Like me and my friends as teenagers were like, yo, I don't like going to school like this. Like, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't like, I don't like participating in, in, in the world in this way. Like, like we're looking at the pollution in the world. We're looking at at the 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 qualms in the system that we live in, saying fuck the system, but like gearing up to just go run headfirst into it. Like I'm just like nah. Talk a little bit more about that. You're saying you didn't like this how you guys were going to school. Like what did that feel like? What do you mean at that age? What were like? Man, school you felt just like said the pollution. Like school felt like a like a like a like a boot camp or something. Like like we went we went to public schools and they keep dropping the credits in the public school system in the district that we went to public school in when I was in high school in Pennsylvania because not enough kids can graduate out of the school. It was like like so many kids in the class we weren't really learning much. They're teaching us stuff that we don't really want to know. Like now it's a little bit cooler. Like now they got like hydroponics and like like different types of sciences and things for for kids to engage in more technically. Um but like a lot of kids would be in class like I'm never going to use this stuff. Why were you teaching me this? And like, in the reality of it is like where we live in central Pennsylvania, why are we receiving this standardized education when we live in Pennsylvania? And these are the, like, these kids know that they're going to go do these work and work wherever they're going to go work. This is the reality that we all live in. So like, why aren't we learning how to be better in our situation? So like, we could just see, like when you're young, it's like hard to, when you're young, it's hard to even understand the, the the depth or the or the intensity or why it's more of like a feeling like it was like were you craving more like hands-on were you craving more like you because you just keep saying how are we going to use it would it have been more like give us something we're actually going to use or teach it to us in a way that feels like an everyday usage yeah so um i personally had gone through like private school and public school and like a lot of different types of schooling and i had gone through different school systems that actually were like enjoyable actually i felt like i was like learning um i went to an international school in london and like of course it was like super expensive but like it was a good school i had a good learning experience i went to south bank international school the government put me in it whenever um i was with my mom my mom was working for the government um so they would like help us go to school and stuff like that when we were in different countries um so that was one of my favorite schooling experiences we learned about different religions we learned about different sciences like we like get, we we had like a like you had to get like a pen license to use a pen like you had to like have good handwriting we read different things it was like it was interesting it was interactive and then i went and that was like during fifth grade and i went from fifth grade going to i was in there for fourth and fifth grade and then in the middle of fifth grade i went to a public school in central pennsylvania and the kids couldn't even read um, I saw police come to school for the first time, like in fifth grade, uh, because somebody brought weed to school, which is like, that's t- fifth. I mean, it's like, that's crazy. We're in fifth grade. Why are you bring a weed to school? Like, what's the, what, like, I never, <laughs> like the reality of all that is just wild. Like I saw drug abuse at a young age here. Like there's like all sorts of crazy stuff, but, um, 
Yeah, so I did have good I did have good interactive school experiences with, that I did enjoy. And then whenever I dropped out of school, I didn't stop want to stop learning. So I started immediately engaging in things that I was interested in. Um, so that's so interesting and good for you. Keep going. Yeah, so I mean, for me, it was different. It was like quantum physics and like hydroponic plant cultivation. So like those were the things that were intriguing to me. But like going to high school in central Pennsylvania, I couldn't interact with any of those things. It was like, you're going to learn civics and you're going to learn the history of white people fucking from Europe and da 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 like it was so weird to me like it like I, like I don't know like just dynamically as a diverse person in the U.S. like it was not main it was not made for me it felt like a control system and it was like starting to become easy to see through it especially as I started experimenting with plant medicine around you know 15 16 it was like very very clear that like this was like some mind control system for me to be a puppet for some boss to be able to tell me what to do and like at the end of the day once you graduate from high school, if you don't take it any further, you are set up to listen to somebody telling you what to do. That's what you just did for wow. the, the whole time from your kindergarten to 12th grade. You were go, go here for this hour. Go there. Bring me this homework. Do this. Do that. They're not training you to be independent. They're not training you to do any other skills. They're not training you any craft. They're not giving you the, the option to learn about how to, uh, uh, to follow your passions to figure out what you may be good at, which is what we need. We need more like apprenticeships with people that can go learn underneath somebody that they're actually interested in the thing that they want to learn about. Cause that's when you're going to learn. Nobody's going to learn when they don't care about the material. So like right. I've learned the most and I've been able to excel by going in and into whatever topic I'm most interested in is as long as I'm interested in it and then go to the next thing. And then I, be, and then I know as much as I know about that topic because I was that passionate. I had that energy for it, figured it out in that time. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, could, I I feel like I'm a little bit rambling, but like. No, no, I love it because I do feel like there is a problem with our education system. And it's so interesting hearing it. Do you feel like because one of the things you kept saying is I kind of already I knew who I was. So therefore, it was easier for you, especially post high school, to navigate and to make these choices because you kind of had confidence that if you choose to learn, you'll still be learning and you wanted to learn. Do you think you're history with both your parents doing such diverse things and all over the world. I mean, you were, I mean, the fact that you said you went to an international school in London, and then you're in central Pennsylvania, that alone, the experience in what you're seeing around you and how you're living is totally different. Do you feel like part of that forced you in some ways to become stronger internally than if you were in the same system, regardless which system it was the whole time? Yeah, hundred percent. So like, I just like, I just learned this term like two weeks ago when I was in California, somebody asked me where I'm from, right? And like my whole life, I've had like a little bit of a hard time telling people where I'm from. Cause like I was born in North Carolina, but I only lived there till I was four. And then I traveled all over and my parents were split up. So I like, I, they all lived in different places. There was never a place that like, I grew up and I had my friends that I grew up my whole life, childhood friends or da, 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 da. Like I was like all over the world, different countries, different states. There was never a point in time where I stayed anywhere until I was older and whenever we landed in Pennsylvania. So I kind of like, I was like, yeah, I was born in da 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 da, but I traveled all over. And he's like, oh, so you're a third culture kid. And I was like, what? The I just heard this phrase right? too. It's funny. Yeah, like, yeah, keep going. Talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of us that grew up in a global trade system. We grew up traveling around the world with our parents that are interacting in different countries and things like this or traveling. So, um, we're forced by our experience to like become different people. We have like, different creature comforts because we don't have that same home experience like most people have. Like home is wherever we're at, you know what I mean? You gotta be comfortable where you're at. So um, 
And mm. then we, a, a lot of times we're also able to interact with a large diversity of people because we've been able to like plop in and out of such diverse cultures and be able to in- interact with these people that like we can fit in in a lot of different places. Um, and I've seen this also with people that like go to really good schools, like private schools or international schools or things like this, that they're able to engage in a lot more material. Like when you talk to them, you could talk about a lot more topics than people that like went to a jack of all school. trades. Cause like, yeah, cause like during the schooling, they, they try and like in good schools, they try and see what you're good at and give you the opportunity to engage with a different, with a lot of different things. So when you go in the world, it's like, you know, a little bit about a lot, you know, a lot, uh, like a little bit about a lot of things instead of like a lot about a little bit of things. Um, mm-hmm. So it's easy to engage with a lot. So, for me, like, like I had went to like a, uh, like a Montessori school in Maryland when I was really little. I went to a Catholic school. I got kicked out of that when I was really little. Um, I went to a couple <laughs> different types of public schools, and like my mom did this thing because, like, just like on like on some real, I, I keep it as real as possible, so it's most relatable. Because I don't like to like front or make fake Please. about anything. Like we don't do that. Yeah, here. When, my, when my mom would be in the U.S., the government didn't pay her as much money. So she couldn't afford for us to go to good schools. But she didn't want us to like, like have a gap in our education since we got to go to good schools in different countries. So she would try. And, crazy. Like, right. So she would try and yes. live places that had better schools in the public school system. So if you're in the if you're in the mid-Atlantic like area, like Northern Virginia has some of the best schools that you can go to. Like that's just if you're in a public school system, you can go to like really, really good public schools in Northern Virginia because everybody there's like rich. Like so, it's like they made sure that the schools was good for the kids. Like it doesn't really like it's different. I saw so much. Like it was also interesting for me to see different socioeconomics when I was young because like I went from like seeing kids that like would go home from school and there'd be no food in the refrigerator and they could like they didn't even have a jacket to wear in the cold. And like, I will go to Northern Virginia, everybody has a North face and like, they're like, got, they got a car when they're 16 and like all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's not reality for everybody. Um, and where did you feel like you fell in all of that? It was, it was wild. Cause like my, like my family, like I'm, I'm the oldest of like three brothers and three sisters. And like, my family doesn't own land. Like my dad, like just got his house, like his first house in like 2007. And like, we don't, we don't have that. We don't have wealth like that. Like my wealth, my wealth came from the diverse experiences that I had. I had to figure out how to capitalize on my childhood. Like I had to figure out how to like use yeah. all the different things that happened. Cause that was the only thing I had. My parents didn't have anything to give me. I couldn't go to college. Like I was living on my own at 17, like trying to pay bills and stuff like that. While my parents are still trying to take care of all the other kids that they have, you know, like they both were like divorced twice like that's like the reality of like that generation were they when you dropped out at 16 was there any because technically i mean you're still under their care at 16 was there any like pushback yeah i mean for real like my parents were like my whole life until i I had an established business was like bizarre like because like my dad was in the (laughs) army like straight from 17 years old second generation in the army like and my mom like you know, got herself into the, into the government. She went to college and like made herself a made woman. Like, like, like for the better part of her entire life, she like as an independent black woman, like raised the whole family doing international diplomatic work, like from like edu- from like, I mean, shit, like 
my grandparents grew up in Jim Crow era. My, my grandma grew up in Western Pennsylvania, keeping a gun in the house because they were worried about white people coming around. Like my, my, my grandfather couldn't even go to school. Didn't know his father had to learn English by going to church, like, cause he couldn't go to school cause he was black. So like, like for my mom to be independently, go to college and become a diplomat and all that kind of shit, it was a big amazing. deal. Like it's fucking amazing. Yeah. So like, like, but like beyond that, like I didn't really know where I fit in. Cause like, like I didn't have money. I couldn't just go do whatever I want. Like my mom, my parents can't just give me money. I don't have a trust fund. Like, even though I was like hanging out in private schools with kids that like their parents own like countries, like literally. <laughs> literally i'm not even kidding you like sorry that's so wild like and then i would come over here and my friends like are on food stamps and like so like and like i like i had to take government aid on multiple occasions because i had a kid and like i literally was just trying to figure out i'm 20 years old like i didn't know what to do like so like we had to figure out how to get out of all of this stuff like and like what is a one in three black men in the u.s is going to get arrested they told me that my whole life that should happen to me like all my friends, every time I'm in my group of friends, I'm like, which one is going to happen to one of us? You know what I mean? So like, has it? Yeah, for real. Like I've been, I've been charged with multiple shit. Cause I like to, I like plants. I like plant medicine. Like, what are we talking about? I, I'm in the East coast. Like I had to learn how to navigate. I had to learn how to be a professional and a grown man and to become mature really fast. Talk about actually being diverse in the world of plant medicine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's wild. Cause like, there's mad rich people that just can do whatever they want. Like they can do whatever they want. Like I've had people, I've had CEOs try and poach me. Cause I, I have people bring me to like nice dinners and, and think that they can like, like think that they know where I'm coming from. Think that they know where I'm coming from in Pennsylvania. Like I haven't, I did, I did Easter egg hunting in the prime minister of England's backyard in 2004 when I was in fourth grade. These people try and think that they know me, think that they can see where I'm Bro. No, I don't think anyone can. You're too unique. That's what I'm saying. But like people try and play me. They're like, oh, I've done ayahuasca 30 times and da 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 But I'm like, yo, I ate a cut of mushrooms in some back alley in Pennsylvania and figured out more shit. That's why you're trying to hire me. Like, but like, it's so wild to see what they can do with their liberties and their money. They can go fucking around the world and just shit on everybody in their culture and steal people's culture and shit. That's what it feels like in the plant industry right now. Cause like, I'm trying to represent my people. I'm trying to translate nature into English. And these people are going around with their fucking politics that they brought their missions over from England under the fucking Vatican so that they can put their politics on top of indigenous people. I'm trying to talk about this shit because I know how to say it in English for the first time when people couldn't even, they didn't even teach us how to use this system. Say we're free in here. They say we're free in here. We can go be free and equal. But like now we're educated enough to use this shit and tell people what it's really like. And it's like, I feel like it's like this weird frontier where like we're butting heads with this crazy colonial fucking zombie with the real life plant medicine right now. Like that's what it feels like. So let me explain to the audience a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong. I think what you're referring to is you are the first person who actually, because most of anything studied in this area was from China, right? Or Asia, correct? And you're the first person who could actually bring English words to this study. So you know more, your point is, and you're really the only one, at least back then, who knows a lot of this shit, but you feel like, it's like you say, like the colonialists coming in, trying to kind of steal it, but yet you're the one who holds the wisdom. Nah, I don't even feel like I'm the one. Like I did like, I did some work with cordyceps and like, the, I don't know if that's what you're referring to is the extent of like this, the translation from Asian stuff. Like I did some work with cordyceps, bring cordyceps into cultivation. Like 
I, it's like it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. There's like a, it's a whole movement right now of people that are figuring out how to engage with what we are and what we're doing in a system that's not ours of commodification of nature. Like we're coming from as indigenous people, right. as people that have been interacting with the land, like like and like mm. I speak on that. And if anybody's questioning, because like people all like to think all sorts of things like people th a lot of times think that my mom is white. And my dad's black. My dad is Puerto Rican, indigenous Puerto Rican mixed with colonialists. Portuguese. My mom is African American of Nigerian descent, Bantu peoples. Like, so it's like, it's like, when I say of indigenous stuff, I'm talking like Puerto Rican to my attachment to that. But I've been talking with indigenous people. I've been working with indigenous people. I've been talking with all my people, like my people that have been utilized for our understanding of nature. Like I was like, my right. family was brought over as slaves because we understood nature because people from Europe didn't know how to work the land here. Like, yeah. So it's like, like what I'm trying to say beyond that, like, it's not like I'm the one that understands this stuff. It's like my yep. people understand this stuff, but like nobody taught us how to interact with this social system using this way with it. these banks and this, like we had to figure this shit out. Like, and like, and like also have to understand and value ourselves because a lot of us have been like bastardized and a lot of us like want to wear the colonial thing. Like it's a cool thing. Like, like we want to be part of that but shit because it, it's like, it's interesting. And thank you for clarifying what you mean by we people, because I think it's hugely clarifying and interesting because beyond even the roots where it comes from, there is just this idea of those who communicate and live within and really understand nature in a deeper way. Like you say, you know, I was going to ask you this earlier, you know, kind of how you talk about this individuality and find yourself. I was going to almost say, where do you see yourself within the plant life? Like, how do you see yourself represented in the way it grows? Because it feels like there's its own community, right? And its own, you know, it's almost like um, microcosms that match each other in some ways. And it's, and I think what you're saying is so interesting and correct. It's like, there's this innate understanding because when you live and breathe it for centuries and centuries and continue to live within it in an honorable way. And by honorable, meaning like both sides respecting each other, you know, the land and you and you and the land. Um, I could see when the business gets involved, how do you merge that? And it feels like that's what you're saying can be a little bit of yeah the struggle yeah so that's why i've been focused on ecologically regenerative sustainable micro industries so that the way that we make money is beneficial to the ecology and not detrimental to the ecology in the way that a lot of these macro industries that we rely on destroy the environment and our souls yes. whenever we interact with them um so i wanted to be able to make money in a way that was good for the environment and good for social systems so that's why i made my business the way that i made my business and when you ask about where i see myself with the plants like a lot of people say like mm -hmm. psychedelics will induce nature relatedness. And there's a broad, there's a lot of peer reviewed research papers focused on this topic of nature relatedness around plant medicine. I started using cannabis when I was 15. And the only reason I stopped is because I got arrested and they put me on P test for three fucking years. But I, ever since then, cannabis, that's my vibe. And I've used all these different plant medicines. And when I got deep into the psychedelics, I was able to tap into my, my history because there's an unbroken chain of living entities that leads to you. There's an unbroken chain of, of bodies. There's an unbroken chain of life, of people that had to live, of, of whatever came before them that had to live and give birth to you. And that information is part of who we are. That's our DNA. That's who we are. And I'm deep in these psycho psychedelics and I'm like, this is familiar. My family knows mm. this experience. And it took me until I found out about Cahoba and, 
in Puerto Rico that the indigenous people were blowing one of the most potent psychedelic plants up their nose on a regular. So I'm just like, oh, until, until somebody came on their boat to our island 500 years ago and stopped it, we was tapped all the way into nature doing these psychedelics like deep. And people think like high dose psychedelics is like, whoa, like you took that much psychedelics? Because they a little bit of psychedelics in this social system will make you lose your mind because of how fucked up it is. And then everybody talks about integration. Like everybody needs to have integration after they trip because it was so bizarre what they saw. No, what's so bizarre is that you try and go back in the living in something that's fucking up nature so bad when you just felt so related to nature. Mm. So for me, for me, where I'm going mm. with this is that feeling of nature relatedness that people feel on psychedelics. That's what I identify with. I identify as one of, as a part of nature. I, I believe that we all have an ecological purpose. I, I believe that we all have an ecological function. There's a reason why our genetics exist in the environment, why our genetics exist in reality. And it's for us to figure out. But I believe that we have a function. So whenever I go in nature, I, I look at nature, I see the plants, I see the tree doing the thing that the tree's doing. I see the oak tree being the oak tree. I see the, the squirrel planting the nut. I see the woodpecker transferring this. I see the birds putting the algae into the, into the water on their legs. I see all of these dynamic interactions and how the, the, you don't have to tell the deer to be the deer. You don't have to tell the squirrel to do the squirrel thing. But for some reason, we started to diverge in our psychology and forget mm. how to be ourselves. That's interesting. Someone has to tell us how to do the human Yeah, thing. right? That's interesting. Talk about like, you know, you say it's, uh, well, I have so many questions off of that. You said a few things with the psychedelics. Do you, what I feel like I love what you're saying is you feel that connection with nature and that vibration of nature within you at all times, whether you're dosing or not dosing, if you wake up, I use you're more, every, that is. Yeah, for, and it helps me. With, say that again, sorry. I use cannabis every day. It helps me with that. I just, I don't want to cut you off though. No, 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 that's fine. Well, you're answering the question, which is great. So it helps you with that. Um, but what I love what you were saying is this idea for some people, it's kind of like that brings you more to your natural home state. And the problem is when everyone talks about this integration, it's this idea that our home state is this disconnect that we live in every day. And really it's a huge disconnect every day. And if we could all you know, and using the help of, you're saying cannabis and mushrooms helps you actually reconnect to that natural state that is yours to reclaim to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I want to clarify something that I Please. found within myself because I've been on a deep journey of self-discovery for a long time. And cannabis has been the one thing where I've like had this question all the time, like, like, can I just be like, I'm trying to find balance in my own biochemistry. Because I know that that I can exist without anything else besides, you know, just the water that I need and the food that I need. Like, I don't want to have to rely on anything to feel all right like that. Like, without cannabis, I feel slightly depressed. And like, and I know why, though. I've been able to identify this. I've gone through different therapy throughout my life. My parents put me through psychology therapy, all this kind of stuff. So I've like seen different methodologies of, of diagnosing mental ailments and things. But I've, I've, I've looked into myself also, even with the psych psychedelic and, and come to the understanding that I am slightly depressed because I'm living in an oppressive system, a colonial system where I have to participate in white supremacy by engaging with it. I have to use this language that doesn't belong to any of my peoples. I have to use this money that's made up. I have to use these 
these roads that Ford made in his in his brilliant grandmaster plan. I have to use all of these things that's not representative of me, but I have to do it until I can create enough wealth to diverge myself from it. There's no other hmm. way I can conceive unless I just go run into the forest. But then that's I can't take my whole family like that. Like my family is part of this culture, too. So like that's a big deal. So like until we have enough wealth to separate ourselves from that, I'm just going to keep using cannabis every day. Because like when we go to Puerto Rico, when I'm tapped in with nature, whenever we're eating from the trees and whenever I'm whenever I'm making love when I want, go swim when I want, eat when I want, do whatever I want, not have to worry about all this extra shit, which I can only afford very infrequently. I don't need to smoke cannabis the way I need to smoke cannabis because I feel good. I'm able to produce that natural biochemistry that makes me feel the way I need to feel alignment. It's interesting. I mean, basically, you're saying you're so in tune with understanding that the inner soul of you is screaming because it has been put into parameters that does not allow your soul to just be. Yep. So it's like it's you are screaming every day. And when your soul can't burst out like that and be itself, the cannabis is what at least it's helps you. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting because I mean, but how interesting, like you said, you've done enough self-discovery that you yourself have figured out what it is and everyone has their own constraints and are not living true to themselves. You know, you say we all have a connection, like it goes back to your people. Um, you know, one of the things I always like to teach about sometimes is I always say, like, go back in your lineage and go back and back. And I mean, beyond the lineage we know of or can conceive of, not the family trees, not the stuff. I was like, go back because all of us come from some man or woman that lived off the land, mm -hmm. like lived off the land, understood how to like their entire environment and way of being was a connection to the land. And I always say, like, try and reconnect with that, because that like what you were saying for so many of us, that wisdom is so latent, if not completely hiding and it's interesting what you do because it feels like you have really kind of um understood you understand that and it's like and you understand one of the ways to get people to kind of go down that passage again yeah i mean like a lot of it is like like a lot of people i don't i i don't think that everybody needs to interact with psychedelics like I don't think anybody, everybody needs to interact with plant medicine. There's a big push in the cult community. It's like, everybody should, everybody needs to, the state of the earth, da, 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 da. But I think that there's those of us in our social systems, our social settings that is, that are capable of handling deep experiences and deep self-reflection in ways that the way that we exist translates that into our community. Um, so yep. we're able to create a lot of events and hold a lot of space four different realities, four different realities to emerge. So like we host as many events as we can. We're doing three-day events, we're doing forays, we're creating products, we're, cre we're creating ways for people to engage with a different way of living, like, and to spend time in it and to, and to make livings in it, to, to exchange wealth in it. Um, I was very fortunate to, uh, whenever I first was introduced to permaculture, I was introduced by a group of individuals that had been following the teachings of a local philosopher named Charles Eisenstein. Uh, he wrote the, he wrote a book called Ascent, The Ascent of Humanity. And he also wrote a book called Sacred Economics, which focused on gift economics and trade and barter systems. 
Um, and there was a, uh, a group of people that was like 20 years older than me that was savvy with this alternative economic systems that was able to like surround me with that. And like a lot of people, like, just like I said from the beginning, a lot of people don't believe in things that they can't see. So when you come tell them that a, a new world is possible and that we could live off the land and that things could be sustainable and things could be regenerative. And they're like, that's a fantasy until you show them in real life in front of their face that you're able to do it and you're able to make a living off of it. And, you know, that's what's real. So we try and create these spaces for more people to be able to engage with this so they can learn how to engage with it and take it home. So we like do these three day educational festivals with like live music and live art and like speakers from all around the world, like educators that are teaching like workshops where you can like interact with them, ask them questions. Like, how do you live? Like, what is it like where you're living? Like, how did you build this system? Like, like, this is how I built this system. This is exactly how you do this new technique. So people can then take that home, maybe like start interacting with their water a different way, start interacting with their food a different way, start mm. interacting with their clothes a different way. Um, so, you know, that's the energy. That we're how do you interact with your food? Um, we grow as much of our food as we can. We forage as much as food as we can. I try and move with the, with the great foods of our nation. So like we have like great harvests in our nation, like the, like the wild rice of Minnesota that the native peoples have the rice to the lake rice in Minnesota. Uh, we try and go up there and interact with that in the summertime because it happens during our migration that we usually go west to Colorado in August. Um, I'm a big proponent of migration. I think that state lines and borders and property lines and all these kinds of things is an inhibitor of natural migration processes. Um, but uh, that's just a whole nother thing. That's a whole rabbit hole that people are going to get real sensitive about talking about private land. I'm trying to get some private land. So, you know what I mean, whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, so we go get the, we go get the Minnesota wild rice, the goji berries in Arizona. That's a big deal. Like we, I harvested a bunch of those goji berries in Arizona. We have our native goji berries in Arizona. The goji berry is the center of the Chinese medicine wheel. It's a super food. It's a super powerhouse food. So I try and interact with the ones that we have here. Um, we get insane porcini in the Rocky mountains. Um, that's a big food source for us. We have a bunch of that dried that we're interacting with. We're going to be uh, incorporating into different products. Um, uh, the Matsutake of, of the of the Northeast and of the uh, Northwest um, is a is a big food source, a big major food source that comes out in abundance. The Maitake of Pennsylvania, uh, the Ramps of Pennsylvania. The Ramps are something that we interact with every spring. Um, it's super beneficial for uh, uh, all of the antihistamines and all of the beneficials for um, immune support, especially coming out of spring into all of the new molecules in the air and the spring. Uh, uh, out of winter into all the new molecules in the air in the spring the ramps are like the perfect anti-allergy medicine mm. it comes out so we interact with that a lot um you know i just I, I try and move with a lot of the wild foods um and then base the food around off of that but i also like like move i live fast especially like in the past couple years yeah. i've been living real fast trying to make a lot of money so that we can like buy some land like so we like I'm trying to like bridge some generational gaps here like you know what i mean like that we uh, to buy land, especially in this moment, considering like what money is actually worth, it's a big leap, um, especially when you're coming from yep. not having anything. So like, um, like I've been living fast and whenever I'm living fast, like we're traveling, like I do my best to like, you know, keep up with things, but I'll eat regular like American food and stuff like that sometimes. And I also like grew up with it. So it's like, I I'd be lying if I said it didn't taste good or it wasn't like familiar, comforting and all these kinds of things. So like, we do interact with American foods and things like that off, like not often, but like when we're traveling, moving fast and stuff like this. Um, but I have like different, like, I mean, I, I eat a lot of charcoal and things like this whenever I'm like off. Um, I have a lot of different other like 
you know, things that I interact with to, you know, deal with. What do you do when you travel so much? Because you have a whole lab in your house, correct? And uh, no. does someone do other? Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, uh, we moved the lab out of the house a while ago. The lab was in a, in a different facility in Lemoyne, Pennsylvania for a while. But in November, we moved to this uh, old high school that's transferring into an eco village. It's like being renovated into an eco village right now. Oh, that's right. I think I saw like the bleachers are all um, different plants and amazing. Oh, look, that's beautiful. Yeah, we're in the lab right now. Um, so the lab is in this old high school now. Um, the farm's in this old high school now. Um, and uh, yeah, so I have a production manager that, that does lab and uh, uh, mushroom production. Um, our operations manager here, Leslie, holds it down. Um, <laughs> and uh yeah so whenever i go places there's a team here and, and for the past going on three years now ever since the end of the pandemic really um i've had a team of people here that i've trained or that are, are trained um to to maintain our systems whenever i'm gone and like that's a big plus for us because in central pennsylvania money doesn't move the way it moves in like new york or la or philly or anything like that like so like for me being able to like go to like Austin, Texas, or one of these big cities and go really see some money for a minute and really touch some money for a minute is really good for our business. So we can actually do something. Cause like, I mean, like, you know, a lot of people have given me their opinions on it, but we've been self-funded this whole time. We haven't had any grants, any bank, bank loans or anything like that. We actually just did our first equity deal. Um, did 2% on our business uh, with a million dollar valuation, like in December. Amazing. Thanks. That's amazing. Congrats. And good for you, by the way, for, I love how honest you are about the business side of it all as well. Cause I think, look, that's the reality is like you said of today's structure, but talk a little bit about more what you guys do there. Cause it's not just psychedelics. It's not just, it's, you know, or is it? No, I mean, no, we don't do anything with psychedelics. It's funny. Cause Right. That's what I was going to say, because our conversation went there. But I was like, that wasn't my impression before we started. So talk a little bit more about that. So people understand. Like, yeah, I just like, like <laughs> that's why I like why my life's all different like this and shit. Cause like I can't do regular stuff because it like trips me out. It's like too I see too much stuff from tripping to live my life any differently, um, which Love I'm happy that. about to some extent. Sometimes it's like a little bit annoying because I can't like enjoy regular American stuff with my family. That's like like what? Like my girl grew up in Central Pennsylvania. Like I even have a hard time with like Christmas and like eating ice cream and shit like that sometimes. Like so I'm just like damn. All right, well like come on, like, you know, just enjoy the thing with your family. Like, you know what I mean? Like have this family. Cause like, I'd be like trying to like dead all of it. I'm like, yo, this shit's fucked up. Like, I don't even want to participate in this shit no more. Like I want to create something different. Like, I don't want to be like perpetuating a bunch of consumer mm. nonsense. Like, but I'm just like, all right, we're in 2023. Like not everybody's like fucking, nobody ate that fucking much acid as you did. Like just chill out a little bit. <laughs> how does she, <laughs> how does she deal with you? Is she just like, okay, well, I'm shut the fuck up for a second. My girl? <laughs> just eat the ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes she'd just be like, yo, just to, like, enjoy it. Like, but, like, um, and, like, you know, we butted heads a lot, but, like, she sees where I'm coming from more and more. Like, because, like, she also, like, grew up way different than me. She, like, lived in the same, she, we live one block away from where she grew up her entire life. And she didn't start traveling wow. until we, until I started taking her with me places. Like, so it was, like, like, for her to relate to things I was saying was, like, not, like, super easy but like our relationship's deep like she showed me love like when i was young like like 
in in a way that I really needed and allowed me to be myself. Like, cause like everybody that loved me didn't let me be myself. And like, I don't know, like whenever I moved out, like mm. we moved out together. I've been with her since I was like, I mean, we we had our little, we had a little split for a little bit, but like, like we've been together really since I, we were 15, like 14, 15. So wow. it's like, like we know each other in different ways than the world can even ever try and fucking try. Like most people don't have connections and trusts like that. So it's like, we may not see eye to eye on all the things, but we love each other enough to like, know that like, we have each other's best interests at heart, especially when we're like dealing with something that's so contrasting. Cause like, I'm trying to destroy the culture that she grew up in, like in a way that's right. like being like considerate of the fact that she, that she values the culture. So it's like, I don't know, like it's a, it's a dynamic. It's kind of amazing. Thing. Yeah. It's a dynamic thing. Um, but yeah, we love each other a lot. And like, we're just been making space more for each other, but like, like, you know, it's like, it's like any, it's like any relationships. Like, you know what I mean? There's ups and downs. That's a real yeah, relationship. Like, Absolutely. You know, sometimes we be stressing each other out, but like, you know, we have each other's best interests at heart. So, um, aside from that. Talk about, bit, oh. yeah, talk about what you guys yeah, do I'll there. Talk. Like talk about exactly kind of this obsession and this love, because I do think it's so beautiful. What, just talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So mycosymbiotics is an ecological research business in a mushroom farm right now. Um, so it's like, I've always, I've always spoke on it like that. I'm like, mycosymbiotics is ecological research and mushroom production. Um, so we don't do psychedelic work. Um, I do, I do consultations on psychedelic mushroom cultivation processing in places where it's legal. So like people will fly me those places and I'll talk about it in those places. But here we don't do any of that. Um, we produce oyster mushrooms, lion's mane mushrooms, reishi mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms, turkey tail mushrooms. Uh, we forage. Our team, uh, our, our production manager is also a licensed forager. Um, so we forage mushrooms. And as I mentioned, we forage around the country. I, I just bought a van last year um, so that we can travel around and it can take a high amount of ethanol. I'm trying to convert over to biodiesel so we could be more like independent on it um, and just be able to launch even if they dead or out our gas or whatever. But uh, um <laughs> We, we we brought the van it's 12 passengers so we can go around we bought a trailer to hook up to it um so we can go around and collect a bunch of food dehydrators put the mini lab in the trailer all this kind of stuff um but environmental research is a big big focus for us because every day everywhere i go when i'm traveling i see more urbanization and whenever i see urbanization mm -hmm. that means that a part of nature is now gone like a part of of uh, i can't say nature because there is no escaping nature. Everything's nature. So there's a part of the wild lands that's gone and that we can't study. So I'm studying our ecology while it's here because I'm witnessing developing, development encroaching on it. Um, and there's a lot that we still don't understand. There's a lot of this fungi that we don't even know that's in there. There's a lot of algae we don't even know that's in there. There's a lot of microorganisms we don't even know that are in there. We can see the plants. We're missing a lot of moving pieces because the Europeans came here, killed a bunch of animals like and because of private land we can't have animals moving the way that they're supposed to be moving on the land so we're missing moving pieces so to be able to actually study the ecology we have to really be able to look at things because the animal's not there so you have to be able to look at the tree that it used to interact with to know what it would have done in the environment and the reason that i'm studying the environment and the reason why i need a business to study the environment is because i'm a designer i'm a permaculture designer i design whole systems 
And to, to design whole systems, I have to understand how whole systems work. And we've destroyed most of our wild whole systems. We've taken the pieces out of them that are supposed to be in there. So you have to study them by their other pieces. So I'm trying to look at them. It's like puzzle pieces. Yes, because everything evolved a certain way because of something else. And, and there's like, there's trees in Pennsylvania that evolved around giant sloths that don't exist here anymore. That's not even because of humans. That's something even, the, the giant sloths haven't been here since like ice age times. But like, you can look at the tree and understand how the sloth was interacting with these trees that have giant spikes on the, on the bark of them or these giant beans that hang off of it. Or like the, 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 we have this big green apple thing that's not really edible by anything here. Um, it's called a Osage orange that mammoths used to eat it. No plant will produce a seed bigger than the largest animal in the environment can swallow. So like there's little things when you start to know how environments work that you can use the different pieces to understand the full thing because everything's patterns. So, so um, we're studying it. We're trying to make a place where people can study the environment. We have microscopes, we have DNA sequencers, we have uh, potential to culture, all sorts of different kinds of organisms um, from fungi to algae to, to plants, uh, tissue culture. Um, and then we have cryopreservation, uh, which we're going to be amplifying on this year so that we can freeze the different pieces of the puzzle. Um, so just in case it gets destroyed, we have it to bring it back into the environment. Um, so that's a big emphasis on what we do. Aside from that, the things that people can actually interact with. Um, we grow our mushrooms, like our lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, uh, uh, turkey tail. We make extracts with them. We actually have an extract class. We've been working on figuring out best practices for extracting these mushrooms. Um, so we have some extraction going on over here. I can even just show you quickly. Um, cool. And what do you feel about, as you're walking there, about the idea of extractions? Because, you know, there's been, you know, for a year, oh, that's so cool. Um, well, look at that. You know, there's all these, you know, different companies that have like Lion's Mane tea and Shaga tea and stuff like that. What are your opinions on capsules or things when people are trying to bring these things into their diet? Um, just make sure you ask your product or whoever you're buying it from if where the mushrooms come from. Um, try and, you know, understand your chain of custody. Um, uh, do they grow the mushrooms? How are they extracting them? Um, these are things that are good to know. Um, it, that's a whole deep conversation. Um, and it could be like a whole hour long conversation just on that, because it's like certain mushrooms need to be extracted in different ways. Like we're finding out that certain mushrooms mm -hmm. won't even yield their components at, in, in to alcohol or to water, or, you know, um, uh, maybe they need a little bit of vinegar or, uh, beyond this temperature, so it's, it's not going to work or like, so there's a chance people are buying these capsules and it's doing absolutely shit. It's it, it, they're, they're oftentimes doing something there. There's so many, there's a cocktail of beneficial compounds in a lot of these mushrooms. Um, but some of them are very volatile. Like some of the beneficial compounds in lion's mane are like, are like aromatic compounds that will volatize off in high temperatures. So like, it's like something that you need to eat, like close to it fresh to be able to get that full spectrum of like the, they researched it for this like well you have to be able to consume it this way like fresh or else that compound is not even there anymore um so there's all these things that we're starting to learn um and develop you know guides for but this is a, a process we're hoping to get some grant funding to be able to like make a lot of this information more publicly available in a reasonable amount of time um so for me, I think the best thing to know if you're a consumer is like if the mushrooms are grown by the person that's that's producing it or they know who grew it. 
um, and make sure they're dedicated to what they're doing. Like I would only buy extracts from somebody that that's all like that's what they're doing. Like they have like a whole dedicated like staff for it or like that's like their whole MO is like doing extracts because like they care about it. You know, they care about what they're doing when it's just some some pop up company that like get, was able to get into Whole Foods all over the whole US real quick. Like I would be questionable of how they did that whenever 80% of the world's mushrooms come from China and there's not enough domestic production in the U.S. to fulfill orders like that right now. So who did that? How? That's interesting. So you know what I'm saying? Um, like, it's just like little things like that. Um, uh, and and my, uh, there's a whole like debate of like mycelium versus mushrooms because mycelium products are the only things being produced at scale enough in the U.S. to be able to be on shelves like that, like by companies like Ohm or, or Fungi Perfecti. Um, mycelium on, in some occasions has more bioactive compounds than the fruiting bodies. Um, and, and I'm not saying, and it's also vice versa. There's sometimes when actual mushrooms has more compounds than the mycelium, um, in traditional Chinese medicine, you'll see that they will use the root, the fruit, the leaf, the stem of one plant together, different and things. they'll use it for different things, oh. or, but they'll also combine them together. Um, so I, I think that because we can interact with mycelium like this, like there's not been many cultures in the world that have been able to actually eat mycelium like this and gain all these benefits. Um, I think it's, it's, it's cool that we can put them together. Um, uh, so, um, yeah. Talk about, cause you do DNA sequencing as well, right? Yeah, we do DNA sequencing, DNA barcoding here. Yep. And so what does that do? Does that allow you to, um, talk about why you do that we do it for identification of different species so there's some species that may be hard to identify um, or maybe have never been described by science before so um, it's good to have their dna sequence as a reference um, so we use dna barcodes like um, it's like a site every there's in science we've picked which genes we use for plants which genes we use for fungi which genes we use for animals so like every animal has a specific gene that's different for each species that if that that we call it their barcode so we just use it to identify them um so when we can we can catalog what organisms are where in the world and and you know we maybe have the potential to describe some um so it's important for describing organisms to have their dna barcode also we can te detect um, pathogens in the environment uh, we can detect viruses in the environment uh, we can do um, uh, biosecurity, so we can like test products to see if it's the right thing that's actually in there. You know, you could say like, oh, somebody said this mushroom is in this product. Well, the DNA barcode said that it's actually this mushroom. It's not the mushroom you said it was. This happens a lot oh, of times with like sushi. Wow. Like most sushi is not the right fish that they said it is. So if you have a lab that's oh. accessible to you, you can have them run a survey on all the local grocery stores and you could say, Hey, this grocery store, that grocery store, da, da 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 Those are the ones that's not telling you what the right fish is, and you can hold them accountable to it, or you can just like not shop there. Um, now, can can people use that? Like, because I know you teach it. Can people use that power for bad? Meaning, like using the DNA sequencing? Are there ways to start? I mean, like creating use I a mean, hammer you know, to build a house or knock somebody upside the head. Like, same with anything. That's just reality. And, and I, chose, I chose to understand molecular biology because we live in a world that's about to be consumed by it all. Like, all right, so like when I was younger and I'm in the gardening communities and everything, I was really interested in DNA and everybody's like, oh no, GMOs, you don't wanna, DNA stuff is, is weird, all this kind of stuff. Everybody was like deterring me from it. But I'm like, 
we're going to live in a future where almost everything's genetically engineered and there's no way around it because people are just doing this in their garage and it's going to go interbreed with everything that's already existing. There's already so many GMO plants that they've already mixed their seeds into the germ lines of any of those crops forever. The rest of history are going to have that. Right. It's already tainted. Yeah. So like, I was like, I'd rather know about how to work with DNA and what DNA science is because I'm going to be in a world of people talking about it on the news or talking about it. And I will not even know what they're saying if I don't know. Like as soon as COVID happened, mm. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm glad I know what a PCR is. I'm glad I know what molecular biology is because they're talking a bunch of stuff. And if I didn't know what I was, if I didn't know, then it would be easy for somebody to say things that uh, they could tell me anything because I don't know. So, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I'd rather live in a world where I know because it's about to be surrounded by this kind of stuff. Um, but so, yeah, when, people could use it. Go, when you go back to like your childhood, when do you feel like you started to notice this kind of different passion or interaction? Because you're saying you were a kid, like in the gar garden places and you're like, I want to know about the DNA. Like, when do you kind of like when you look back, are there just times you remember when I was feeling when you were born? I can remember that. most of my life. My mom thinks it's kind of weird. I used to say weird stuff when I was really little. She wrote in her diary, like when I first started to talk, I like look up in the sky, say weird shit. Um, like what? I don't fucking know. You have to ask her diary. You know I, mean? like, I have my mom on the podcast. <laughs> my mom does TED Talks. I will. Um, She'll be the next one. Yeah. But uh, um, I remember like a lot of stuff from when I was really little in my grandparents' house specifically, because I only lived in my grandparents' house for the first four years of my life um, before my mom was at Dunf College. Um, like first three and some change. Like, but like I remember being in there, like, like, like weirded out by space, like by like, like things being far away from me, and like I would always be like looking at things with my fingers, like trying to see why different things look different sizes far away, especially people's heads, because like I knew that your head was big, but I was like, why does it look tiny if it's not even that far away? And like I would always like open the door and close the door because I didn't think that anything existed outside of what I could see. And especially my parents, like they would just call on the phone and I didn't think anything existed outside what I could see or hear. So like, I think it was just black and like, I would play with it. I was like trying to see if I could open the door and see black or if it would just be something that would just appear. Like, so I was like playing with reality my whole life. Like I was like, what is this? Why wow. am I experiencing anything to begin with? Like what happened that I'm like now, this like it was like so strange to me that like out of nothing like like I don't know like I could like I almost like a feel like there was like like I knew that there was something before that there was something happening right now like I don't know how to explain it because I was a bait I was a little baby like a lot of these concepts was just like was like very it was a I was a baby thinking about these kinds of things but I specifically remember like being very curious about what was happening around me, which was just like being alive. Like it was really weird to like be feeling stuff and seeing things and stuff. And um, I would ask my mom all sorts of questions as soon as I knew how to like ask questions about like, when were you, when were you born? And like, when did all of this start? And like, is English the main language that's used in the world? And like, like, I don't know. Then they put me in church. So then I, like so people tried to, answer my philosophical questions but they didn't that's why i got kicked out of catholic school because like people were trying to answer philosophical questions but they gave me bad answers that didn't make sense like they did give me answers that literally didn't work in my brain like my brain like like i would think about things in reality and i would be like this does not work like it just doesn't work 
So what's right. the answer? And people tell me evolution is not real, this and that. So like ever since I was little, I had a lot of questions. And then in like third grade, it was like right when I was leaving Maryland, it was like third into fourth grade. My mom gave me a Smithsonian rendition of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And that started to answer a lot of my questions. Oh, that's crazy. I was just reading about that book. That's so fucked up. Yeah, yeah. That you just mentioned it. Yes. That's so interesting. It was super helpful for me then. Um, and then, I, and then I, I called myself It's Cosmic when I was living in Mexico. My mom took me to the, the Pyramid of the Sun and the Moon. And I saw the sun on top of the Pyramid of the Sun. And I went to the top of it. And there's people just like taking pictures and like being tourists and shit. I'm just like, does nobody else feel like this is like, like be bigger than just uh, uh, taking pictures. I was like 13 years old. I was like, this feels like, like something more grand than just a tourist thing. And like, ever since then, I was just like, yo, like, let me tap in. Like I started getting into like quantum physics, all that kind of stuff like that. Do you know what's so interesting? We're having a guest on, um, Sarah Cosman, who is a hypnotist. And she does past life stuff. So she hypnotizes people so they can go into their past lives. And right. And her, what she realized through doing it is some of her own past life stuff, which is one of this, I mean, from a different place and having been part of the Sphinx and, and recording all of this, you know, hidden knowledge in the Sphinx. Right. And she learned that in her past life, she is the one who wrote and recorded the Egyptian book of the dead. That's wild. Isn't that fucked up? And so I was just reading that. And the fact that you mentioned it, I was like, okay, this is all like a bunch of different lives coming together at the same time. You ever seen the movie Holes? No, but I'm going to have to. All right. This is old movie. It was like on Disney Channel. And like, it's like, I don't want to ruin it for you. But like, part of it is like, like the old grandparents of the kids in the present moment, like had some deal that they didn't complete. So like the kids are like completing, like through all these weird symbols and things of happening, like. They're completing the promise of the grandparents that never got completed. And like, I feel like in this moment with all these souls here right now, able to actually understand each other, like the fact that we can communicate with each other right now, I feel like there's so much of that going on right now. I I agree. And it's almost like whatever we were all living, God knows how many thousands of years ago together, it's like we're almost here to finish it. Um, But yeah, so... Just on the, just ending on that, uh, that, that idea offer, it doesn't have to be ended off, but, um, the, like, whenever I got into the esoteric stuff at a young age, it really, like, made me feel like there was more to life that, that we weren't understanding. Like, I felt like the potential of the human was, like, something way greater. Um, I felt like there was, like, some story that we were not being told, um, and uh, I found out all that was true. And that's why this, the substances that are illegal are illegal. And, you know, every, the way everything is going right now, why the world is like in turmoil and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, we're on the up and up, you know, we're alive. <laughs> talk about how you, yeah, talk about how you see that within the mushrooms, not even just the psychedelic part, but beyond how you see this idea of we are more like, how do you see that in the mushrooms and what you do day to day? Well, I mean, the mushrooms are like such a great teacher. So like I mentioned, I'm a permaculture designer and that's the reason why I do as much as I do and why I study the environment and look at the puzzle because like as a permaculture designer, I rely on biomimicry. Like I mimic nature. I look at natural systems to be able to recreate resilient systems because the things that humans create out of their own ideas tend to be flawed. 
Like we get egoic and think that we can do things better than nature or better than the universe. And then it like makes cancer and pollution in the environment. So I'm just like, why don't I just study the grand design literally in front of me that has worked for hundreds of billions of years. Like some of these organisms I work with over a billion years old. I'm dealing with microalgae that's over a billion years old. It looks the same the way it looked before because it knows how to exist in reality without having conflict and fucking up. Like, so it's been- Does that blow your mind when you're doing that? Yo, all the time. Like, I'm like, yo, <laughs> I don't even need to trip anymore because I'm, I found myself in the moment. I'm like, yo, life is so good. I can't believe I got so distracted that I had to fucking trip to see myself. Like, damn, that was wild. Um, mm. So uh, all that shit said and done, mushrooms, I feel like are such great teachers in that sense. Like a lot of them are like, Fungi and algae together were the first terrestrial organisms. They were the first organisms on land. They've been here. Fungi evolves into animals. So if we're thinking about grand timescales, wow. studying nature, how things are interacting with each other. That's why I call my business mycosymbiotics. Because fungi are like decomposing composers. Like as they all are decomposing different mm. things, they're composing a symphony of life. In the way that they interact with microorganisms, they, they herd beneficial microorganisms. They deter pathogenic organisms. They've been doing this since they were the first organisms on land, right? And all organisms evolved from microorganisms, right? So since the beginning of time on land as life on land, these fungi have been saying, oh, you're cool for the party. Oh, you're about to fuck shit up. I'm about to get you out of here. Like literally making antimicrobial compounds, deterring them Amazing. out. And then all that turns into the things that we see in the forest today. And they've been doing that. So they have all of these deep, deep, like, like since like some organisms, like like most organisms, most trees, most animals, their entire history of existence is associated with a fungi that's like that animal's fungi, that tree's fungi, like or, or collective of fungi. So it's like by studying them, you can learn so, so much. There's so much to be learned and there's so much that we still just don't know. So for me, it's like. Like these are the grand teachers. I can literally slide them on a dish, slide them into the refrigerator because a lot of us literally are living in apartments. We're living in limited space. We don't have access to land. So to be able to study nature, to be able to look at these microorganisms that have so much depth, all you have to know is how to, what you're looking at. Cause this doesn't just look Isn't like white crazy? fuzz to me. The hyper intelligence that's there in that little, is that a Petri dish mm -hmm. or yes. the, the hyper intelligence that's there. And yet we, who feel like are so less intelligent somehow feel like we're the ones who run it all. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. We're, we're doing such a great job of it too. Huh? Um, <laughs> I, there's, there's scales of it. I all. mean, it's there's scales just, of it all. we're creating like, we're yeah. creating a, just, a, a great potential envi environment for lots of microorganisms to thrive. <laughs> So like whether or not we are the ones that benefit from all of this global trade and capitalist progression and all that kind of stuff, a bunch of microbes are going to wash it all away at the end. Right. Do you watch, um, do you watch, do you watch television? Not frequently. Every now and then my lady and I will put something on Netflix, but we usually put like YouTube stuff on and watch like people cooking stuff. Have you, have you watched, I'm sure people have told you too, The Last of Us on HBO? No, I've not watched it. A lot of people told me about it, but I've not watched it. Um, one of my employees said he watched some of it and he said he was like disappointed at the quality of the, the material. Well, how, I'm curious because, you know, it is all about Cordyceps. The, the fungus 
Yeah, the cordyceps, and but it's through people instead of doesn't normally happen in different a- insects and stuff. Like it can go into ants or spiders. Yeah. But it was interesting because only when I did more research on it to talk to you, I was like, oh, now some of the visuals made sense of like literally like things growing through the mouth and through the head and through the back. But it's so interesting that someone took kind of again hyper intelligence of this thing that you don't necessarily see if you're just walking with your head held up. Mm. Um, and now it became a TV show. Yeah, it's wild. Um, it's the beginning of a lot, you know, like it's really our, like our first uh, foray into fungi as a, as a human race, really. I mean, the East, they already figured it out. Like the East, I hate saying the East and the West because like what's West of I know. Asia? Like what are we talking about? Um, right. But, uh, right. <laughs> but the people in, in the Asian countries with their philosophies and their ideologies being more conducive of natural connection versus like Catholicism that bastardized paganism and nature connectedness and all this kind of stuff. Um, they were more inclined to communicate with mushrooms. That's why they farm most of well, yeah, they in the world it. and have fungi. Like they're cultivating over 30 different types of cordyceps. They're way more deep into this than, than we are here. Um, and we've gained a lot of knowledge from them. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I uh, There was somewhere I was going with it, but I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, look, you are amazing. This has been fascinating. I feel like we've covered so much and you're I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And not only thank you for, no, because you're also like you, like how we started this, you're an incredible example to remind people that you don't have to do it the way we're told we have to do it. Just like, it's about, you know, it's kind of like be the fungi, right? Grow and see where you grow. Yeah. Let yourself be. See what yourself yourself be, see what you're capable of. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, You know, thanks for giving me a platform.